Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Kayla Parker, and this episode is a special one for me. I'm joined by Ryan Simonetti, CEO of Brookfield Back Convene from his home in Long Island, New York. I've been a fan of Convene since I first toured their Midtown Manhattan location in 2014. Ryan has become a friend over the years, and I've been inspired by his leadership in our industry. Today, we learn about the core values that's helped make Convene successful over the last decade, what's enabled Ryan to take decisive action during the COVID pandemic, and why he believes we're in the middle of the Great Accelerator. He goes on to talk about how office as an asset class is going through a transformation and why buildings without space as a service will struggle in the future. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or email podcast at workbold.co. I hope you find the next 45 minutes as motivating as I do. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker. And today I'm thrilled to be chatting with my friend, Ryan Simonetti, co-founder and CEO of Convene. I'm going to guess if you're listening to this podcast, you already know who Ryan is, but I have to give my mate a proper intro. So Ryan co-founded Convene 11 years ago and has been disrupting commercial real estate by infusing hotel-style services into meetings, events, and flexible office spaces, also known as space as a service. Convene has raised $410 million in funding to date, expanded to 32 locations across the U.S. and U.K., and has been named one of America's 100 most promising companies by Forbes. Ryan has been recognized for his transformative achievements on Real Estate Forum's 50 Under 40 list, Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30. He was named top entrepreneur by Cranes New York and was a finalist in Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year New York Awards. Welcome to the Work Bold Podcast, Ryan. Caleb, uh, great to be with you today. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. Hey, thanks for being here. Now, I've been impressed with your leadership at Convene over the years and more recently throughout this crisis. You've been active and vocal in the media and on social media, being transparent every step of the way as Convene has reacted to this pandemic and with your plans for the future. I believe this kind of leadership isn't random and spontaneous. It's a skill that's built over time, and that's what I want to talk through with you today. So my first question and what I'd like to start with is company culture. You were quoted a couple years ago with saying that only two things keep you up at night, your two-year-old and your company's culture. Can you talk about the culture you built at Convene? Yeah, look, Caleb, you know, I'd say of, of all the things that I'm, I'm personally you know, most proud of, it is you know, the culture that we've built at Convene over the last you know, 10 plus years at, at this point in time. But, you know, I've thought a lot about your know, culture and, and you know, what is it that's allowed, uh, you know, I think Convene to build a special one that you know, I think really inspires people not just to be them their best selves professionally, but also personally. And, you know, I think what I've boiled it down to is at the core of, of a company's culture is really a set of, of beliefs and values. The, what I would say, kind of the core non-negotiables. And, you know, we've been extremely deliberate and I think vocal about not just talking about those, but, but literally you're living and breathing them every day. And so, you know, our core values are uh, genuine, relentless integrity, teamwork acronym is GRIT, which I think also you know, says a lot. 
not just about our company, but really the journey of, of being a disruptive company and the resilience that it takes over many, many years to really see your vision you know, come to life. Uh, and is obviously, I think, you know, one of the reasons that uh, you know, we've been you know, so successful as a company is that we have been extremely gritty and, and resilient. Uh, and I think that that has also served us really, really well through this pandemic, which I know we'll talk, talk about some more. But I think this, this focus on our core truths as a company, these beliefs and values, you know, to me, that becomes the high bar through which you hire talent. It's the lens through which you make all of your decisions. And to me, it's, it's what ultimately you know, every person at Convene needs to embody from, you know, from not just a mindset, but really from a leadership philosophy perspective. And so you know, when you think about genuine, being truly authentic, you know, being who you are as a person that carries through to our philosophy around delivering hospitality. You know, it is not a scripted experience at Convene. It's, it's genuine and authentic, and we want our team to be who they are. Relentless, right? This never-ending pursuit of you know, being 1% better each day you know, is obviously something that you know, I think says a lot about a person, but also an organization. The most important one, integrity. And you know, we always say at Convene, you know, we're in the business of doing good and doing well. And I think, you know, it's easy to look for a shortcut. It's easy to try and cut a corner. And I think the fact that no matter what we've done as an organization, we've always done it with the utmost integrity, you know, and have treated, you know, our team members, our clients, all of our stakeholders, you know, with that type of, of honesty, I think has, has really served us well. Uh, and then the last thing is teamwork, right? You know, you, you know, Having grown up playing a lot of team sports and business, I think, being the greatest team sport of all, you can't do this on your own, right? No company is what it is because of a single founder or a single executive or a single CEO. It really, it takes a village. And you know, I've been so blessed and fortunate, and I think we have as a company to have worked with so many incredible people that you know, shared our vision, you know, shared these core values. and have given everything you know, to see convene you know, reach its full potential. And you know, I'm, I'm extremely thankful and, and grateful for that. And so many of my best memories over the last 10 and a half to 11 years is it's the people. It's the people that we've had a chance to, to work with in this company. And you know, again, it's, it's why it's, 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 it, it has been and, and continues to be such, such a special place with you know, I think a really, really unique and special culture. Well, you, you've certainly built a, a wonderful culture. Every time I see one of your team members on social media or in, in, in the press, everyone seems so passionate about what they do and so driven to deliver a, a customer experience and, and the hospitality that Convene stands for. So you've kudos to you for building a strong company culture. I noticed on Convene's Instagram, stories you guys have recently started posting motivational quotes what's behind that so anyone that's been around me knows that I'm a, I'm a real big quote guy and you know i as a as a young kid i, I worked for not worked for i mean i've worked for folks but i but you know i had a lot of coaches and mentors of mine throughout my life that 
uh, always used quotes to, to kind of inspire and motivate. And that's something that I've, I've carried with me. So every week, you I send an email to our entire team and, and there's always a quote of the week. And so we thought, you know, especially you know, given what's going on, I think, in the world and the challenge that, you know, I think each of us is facing, you know, one of the things that we really need to hold on to is is hope and inspiration. And so I figured uh, it would make sense since I've been doing it internally for so long to actually start to share that externally with you know, our members, our customers, and you know, even if it motivates or inspires one person, you know, I think we did our job. So that's kind of where it came from. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of motivational quotes as well. So I've been following the the stories and and really loving it, appreciating it. You mentioned authenticity as as another a synonym for the integrity word, the integrity I and and grit. And I think in in entrepreneurialism, there's this mantra of fake it till you make it. And that's not always authentic, of course. And I, we did an episode with our friend Duke Long, and Duke was going on a rant about how people in commercial real estate are uh, jumping up and shouting and pitching that they have the solution to this pandemic for commercial real estate. And he's, he, says that, he says that's not authentic. We need people to stand up sometimes and say, I don't have the answer right now. And so that kind of leads me to my next question for you. You know, often business leaders keep quiet on topics that become politically polarized. You've been quite vocal on social media, sharing what you believe. Is that a bit risky? You know, it's not necessarily speaking, you know, what I I personally believe. I, I you know, I think some of the issues that we're facing, to me, there's a, a clear right and a clear wrong. And as a human being, I feel that I have the right and also the obligation to to share my own point of view. And then as the leader of a company, I need to speak out on behalf of, of our team and, and what we believe as, as a company is the right thing uh, to do. And, you know, it's impossible, I think, as a human being, but especially as a company to make everyone happy or to have everyone agree with your perspective or your point of view or have every single person love your product. That's probably just not reality. And, you know, I think my perspective has always been back to being genuine and authentic is if we have a strong point of view, it's okay to express it. But if we don't and we don't have the facts or we don't have a strong opinion, then why comment on something that, you know, you don't really have a good perspective on? Do you think more business leaders should be taking a stance? Well, I, you know, I believe that we're entering a new paradigm or shift where my sense is that businesses and private institutions are going to have to step up and do more period. I think the challenges that we face as communities, as cities, as a society are just too big and too complex to expect that the public sector is, is, is going to just figure these things out on their own. And so I do, I do believe that as 
private organizations, whether you're a small company or a very, very large company, I think that we all have an obligation to do more and to use our resources, our brands to first and foremost, create work environments that are diverse, equitable, inspiring, that create equal opportunity for all. Uh, and I also think that we have an obligation to do good and do well uh, within the communities that, that we serve. And so I do believe that you will continue to see more and more founders, more and more executives, I, I believe, take a more proactive stance and a more proactive role uh, trying to have a positive impact and influence you know, both on you know, the key stakeholders that they touch, but also you kind of more broadly at a, at a societal level. And you're seeing that, right? I mean, you're seeing that, you've seen that through this pandemic. You've seen companies really you know, step up in a major, major way. I think you're seeing it through you know, the situation around kind of structural racism in the United States and companies really being proactive and, and taking a stand and you know supporting their employees and, and their communities. So again, I, I my sense is that we're going into a generation where companies and executives will play a much more proactive role uh, than maybe they have in in the past. I hope so. I think so we've sort of gotten to a point where if you take one stance in one direction, then you then people demonize you. And, and if you take a stance in the other direction, people on the other side demonize you. And, you know, we're all humans. And, you know, I think we we should be able to be authentic and, and say what we think, but also keep an open mind and leave space to learn new things and possibly change perspective when you're presented with more facts. And I, I think that's that's leadership, looking after the people that are sort of in your circle, but then also being open to listen to other people's perspectives. So Ryan, it's an understatement to say it's a difficult time. You guys made the decision early to close all convenient locations, even before government mandated lockdowns. What drove that decision? The health and safety of, of our team members and you know the health and safety of, of our clients, you're both the ones that we serve, but also you know we're a big part of driving the amenity strategy in a lot of the buildings in which we operate. And so not only do we have to worry about our own team members and our direct customers, but you know we also have to, to think about the broader building community. And you know it was clear to us based on you know feedback we were getting directly from our team. We had a couple locations where we had you know clients that attested positive that the only right answer was to be extremely decisive and proactive and and shut all of our our locations down. But you know, those aren't easy decisions. But again, I think it's easy for leaders and to get caught up in what I call the gray. And I think sometimes it's really just black and white. And what we've done throughout this entire process is try and create as much black and white, right and wrong as we possibly can. And I think that that's allowed us to probably move 
uh, faster than some of our peers. And I think navigate this crisis in a way that has really protected the brand, protected our team members, protected the company, and then obviously you know, our, our customers as well. Ryan, what sort of feedback have you received from your partners and your customers? You know, I'd say first, you know, most of our, our customers and our partners have really appreciated how proactive and thoughtful we've been throughout the, this process. I think they've also appreciated the transparency uh, and consistency of, of the communication. You know, we recently published our, you know, COVID operating standards. And, you know, I think the feedback we've gotten again there was, you know, thank you for being so thoughtful and and deliberate and, and making sure that, you know, we as a company are doing everything possible that we can to create environments that are that are healthy and and as safe as possible. And it is, as you mentioned, I mean, this is this is as tough or challenging a situation as I've ever seen in, in my life, especially uh, my professional career. It's extremely dynamic. It changes uh, day to day, uh, week to week. And again, you know, I think staying true to who we are and what we believe, not being afraid to make a call and be decisive and making sure that no matter what we do, we're always putting our team members uh, and our clients first. And, you know, I keep saying the decisions that companies make today, and I mean, through this crisis will impact the value of their brand to, for decades to come. And I, and I really, really do believe that. And, you know, we were the first company to you know, offer your know, full kind of rent and concessions to all of our workplace members. And again, I think people appreciate when you do those sorts of things and really acknowledge how challenging these circumstances are for everyone. And you are doing the best you can to make the most of a really, really difficult situation. You know, I hate to use the word unprecedented because it's used all the time, but I mean, it's it's so appropriate because it, it, it's an unprecedented time. And with so much uncertainty with specifically with COVID, with so much uncertainty on, you know, what, who, who carries it, who can be contagious, who, you know, whether we need to be six feet apart or wear a mask or can we get it from a door handle? We're learning as we go because it's so new. Combined with not knowing when things are going to be opened back up. And I hope this, this part of the podcast gets outdated very fast. But with so much uncertainty, how do you balance all the realities of this uncertainty with, with maintaining optimism? You know, I, I've said this to our team you know, since the beginning, and I say, you know, this too shall pass, right? And, you know, the one thing that we can't do as a company and we definitely can't do uh, as individuals is let this situation and the, and the difficulty and the pain of this situation, which is a real thing, right? I mean, we have, you know, over a hundred thousand people in, in, in this country who have lost their life. We have team members that have lost family members to this virus. We have many people within the company and, you know, 
within our communities that have been you know, economically impacted from this crisis as well. I mean, this is horrible. There is no question of that, but we can't let it take away our hope and our optimism. And you know, there's days where you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to see that. And it's been my job within, you know, I think within our company for sure, but I've been trying to express that same sort of hope and optimism externally to you know, our customers, but also our industry. You know, we still, there's light at the end of this tunnel and, you know, there's so much opportunity in front of all of us. And, you know, they always say, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I really, really believe that. And I do believe that we will come out of this stronger as a company. I think this industry will actually come out of this stronger. And I think we're seeing at least here in the U.S. now that, you know, we will come out of this, I think, a, a better country because of, of kind of having to go through this as, as tough as it's been. So I continue to be extremely optimistic about, you know, the future of this industry. And, and I'm super excited about all the opportunity that, that sits in front of Convene. You know, we, the thing that's been most exciting, interesting about this is I call this whole crisis, the great accelerator. And, you know, Caleb, as, as you and I know, at least specific to our industry, your kind of future of work, space as a service, future mm-hmm. of the workplace, a lot of the trends that were kind of happening slowly, I, they're all, you know, what, what I thought or we as a company thought was going to take 5, 10, 15, even 20 years. I think a lot of that stuff's going to happen, you know, in the next three to five years. And that does create a tremendous amount of, of opportunity. You know, not just for companies like us, but also, you know, founders and entrepreneurs that, you know, in the challenge, see massive opportunity and through you know, new business model innovation or technology can continue to push uh, this industry forward into the future. Absolutely. You, you were talking when you first started Convene, you were talking about outsourcing your events, outsourcing meetings. And you know, back in those days, I was talking about remote work and, you know, we had what well, bring your own office and sort of bring your own device. And, you know, you can work from anywhere as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection. But not just our industry, but all industries, so many traditional thinkers and so many elite business leaders push back on flexible working. And, you know, only recently have we seen, you know, prior to COVID, only recently have we seen the shift in, towards using flexible working as a, a talent acquisition tool. And so I think you're right. I think this, unfortunately, it's taken a pandemic, but on a positive note, at least we are seeing this acceleration of workplace choice, I think is going to come out of this. And prior to the pandemic, we saw a movement towards space as a service. And I think that's going to put rocket boosters on it. I've talked about that with quite a few of my guests in the podcast. You've been talking lately about hybrid and virtual events. Do you, do you think, uh, obviously, Virtual is important right now, but do you expect this to last long term? Yeah, I do. I do. I really believe that, you know, when I think about the future of work today, you can you could use distributed. I keep using the word hybrid, which gets back to. To what you were just mentioning a second ago, we've been doing research on the, the desires and needs of a modern worker for, I don't know, a decade at this point in time, focus groups, surveys, observational research, one-on-one conversations. And what we have heard consistently, 
not just in the last 90 days, but literally for the last, you know, almost the better part of a decade is that what talent really wants is choice, flexibility, and experience. And what this pandemic, I believe, has done is going to accelerate the shift towards the individual becoming in control as opposed to the organization specific to where I work, when I work, and how I work. And if you believe that that's going to happen, which we do, then the future of real estate starts to look what I call hybrid, which is what does an HQ experience look like? My sense is it probably looks and feels differently than it has in the past, uh, much less about individual work and much more about collaborative work and really becoming kind of the experiential hub that brings a company and its culture together. You've got this thing in the middle, which I think about as third space or space as a service or a distributed network of smaller offices. And this could be everything from on-demand meeting and conferencing spaces to co-working spaces to flex spaces to a coffee shop, right? It's, it's that, that other network of spaces that I choose to work from or meet in uh, and then the last thing is this virtual remote. And that's not just about meetings, although obviously for us, that's a big part of our strategy and what we're doing, but it's also about work. And right now, you know, based on all the conversations that we're having, it seems like remote work or virtual is going to end up becoming anywhere from 25% to really 35% at any given time that percentage of a company's workforce will be working remotely. And that doesn't mean that people have to work full-time remotely and, and never get to go to an office. I don't think that that's actually where things end up, at least for the majority of organizations. But at any given time, almost a third of people won't be in the office working. And then the question for Convene becomes, well, then how much actually goes into an HQ and then how much goes into this middle ground of what I would think about as really outsourced your know, space and experiences. And I keep settling on kind of like a third, a third, a third. And the vision for Convene, which we've actually had for a really long time, but I think the world is actually ready to for us to execute on it is, you know, how do we how do we use our platform to better support the experience in an HQ? And whether that's designing, building, and managing that experience on behalf of a smaller to medium-sized company or partnering with a large enterprise to kind of run their front-of-house amenities, meeting space, the real high-touch experiential stuff. We've obviously built and continue to build this outsourced distributed network of, of what I would think about as third spaces where people can meet and, and work. And now we're starting to think about you know, what are all the challenges around virtual meetings and conferencing, but also what are the challenges of being a remote worker? And what we've realized is, and what we know from all the research that we've done is it's not a productivity issue, it's an engagement issue. Mm -hmm. And so we as Convene are thinking about ways that through technology, through the human and hospitality support behind technology, and through kind of hospitality services, what are the things that we can do to support a remote workforce in, in a different way? 
And you know, as a company at the platform level, you know, how can we start to actually manage or become the backbone that can deliver our customers and an individual a great day at work wherever it happens or a great meeting wherever it happens. So we're launching some new products and services, one around virtual and hybrid meetings, the other around work from home that we're really uh, excited about. We're in the, as you know, Caleb, as, as a founder and entrepreneur, we're in we're still in the startup phase. We're finding product market fit. We're figuring out the right way to price it. But we've had some really exciting momentum early. And I do believe that we're on to something big. And I'm excited to see these products, these new products and services really, really get legs in the short term, but I think have the potential to be really, really big pillars uh, of convenes future platform. Well, you, you're teasing us now. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to hearing more about that as, as you test and perfect and get your MVP out there. You know, you mentioned about productivity and choice earlier is the key word that stuck out. I know you said choice and flexibility, but choice is the key word that stuck out for me. Here in the UK, the Leasman Index did a survey and reported that there was a 15% uplift in productivity among UK workers since working from home through this pandemic. Now, in LinkedIn, on Twitter, and, and even in the major headlines in, in the media, there's this debate going back and forth. Is the office dead? Or, you know, everybody's saying, no, we, people have to go back into the office and go back to the word choice. I think people want the choice to do either. And I had a debate the other day on Twitter Someone told me that you know, everybody's got to come back into the office. And I was like, well, you know, Automatic, the inventors and in the, the company that runs WordPress, their entire company is distributed. And so you've got, seems like the commercial real estate industry keeps holding up the torch saying everybody has to come into the office. Naturally, they're going to have, they want to say, they have to say that because their, you know, their jobs depend on it. Well, it, that seems a little self-serving to me. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. And, but it also seems like reminds me of the, the parable, the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> and, you know, nobody in that circle wants to say, well, you're not wearing any clothes. You know, people aren't coming back into the office. And when I say that, I don't mean they're not going to come back into quotations around the office. I think the definition of the office is going to change. The office isn't going to be the same place every day. And it might not be every day. So I think what you're saying about hybrid is very interesting, and I'm looking forward to to seeing what you have uh, up your sleeve there. But if this happens and there's a reduction in usage of real assets, real estate buildings and commercial assets, how is this going to affect vacancy rates and what is that going to do? What kind of knock on effect is that going to have in for commercial real estate? Look, it's it's a great question, and I don't know if you've ever you had a chance to spend any time with you, know, Mark Gilbreth, the uh, founder of and CEO of, of Liquid Space. But he yeah. did a he did a an amazing presentation, and he called it peak office. And this was whew, I'd say probably four years ago at this point in time. And he was making the argument four years ago that at least in the United States, not too dissimilar from retail that 
office as an asset class was was overbuilt, right? That there was technically more supply of space than there was demand, right? And that was, again, that's many, many years ago, pre-pandemic, pre, I would say, true acceleration of, of space as a service and you know, what companies like Convene and, uh, and yourselves and others uh, have done. And I do believe that he is right. And if you look at one of the trends that I believe is going to accelerate, and this was something that was happening pre-COVID, was a flight to quality and really a have and a have not, which had started to emerge within the real estate industry, especially from an office perspective you know, over the last few years. And what I mean by that is if you look at the the assets that were actually performing, right? Driving rents, becoming truly occupied, retaining their customers, for the most part, leaving aside cool buildings in cool neighborhoods, which I want to put in its own bucket, is new development, right? New assets that were being built, like 21st century office buildings that were amenitized and were to a leader well standard with the best infrastructure and the best efficiency, or it was buildings that were being completely refurbished, to some extent fully redeveloped, and were investing in all of the infrastructure, all of the amenities, integrating convene experiences into their assets. And, and really those were the two types of office assets that were performing well. Everything else, the commodity suburban stuff, the commodity urban stuff, actually was was and has been performing terribly over the last four or five years. And all I think that's going to happen now is that that trend is going to accelerate massively. And unless you're a new office development with all the bells and whistles and efficiencies that come with being new, or you're a building that fully, fully commits to what I would say selfishly is convene enabling your building, I think everyone else is really, really, really going to struggle because there is no question in my mind that the aggregate demand for space will be less coming out of this than it was going in. For all the reasons that we've already talked about, which is more people will be working virtually and remotely, fact. Real estate will be more distributed, fact. And therefore, there's going to be less aggregate demand for space, in my opinion. Now, with that said, I still think that there's a huge opportunity for those buildings that are either new development or those buildings that really, truly commit to fundamentally running their assets, designing their assets and delivering experiences to tenants and their employees in a fundamentally different way, right? And I think that that flight to quality is going to be something that we should all keep an eye on very, very closely, not just over the next six to 12 months, but literally for the next you know, five to 10 years. Yeah, and, and I think it's in the past several years, uh, in many of the conversations that I've had with with asset managers, landlords, et cetera, there's been a sort of a sticking point around the building valuation and the, the way assets are valued to that, that's sort of holding up the 
acceleration of space as a service and having these high quality building experiences, customer experiences in the asset. And uh, how, how is that going to change? Or what do you think we need to be doing and evolving? How do we evolve to, to keep up with this growing demand for space as a service? Well, you know, it, look, it's it's a great question. And I think the challenge for office as an asset class is it's going through a transformation. It's going from being an asset to being a business, right? And if you think about what's happened in hotel, right? Even what happened in retail with base plus percentages, even multifamily, right? Where you've got shorter duration leases, a lot of amenities and services, and you make money on laundry, you make money on parking. Those asset classes move more like businesses, right? And I think the capital markets have had a lot of time and history to understand how to value those asset classes. And what's happening in office right now is it is going through its transition from being just an asset with this long-term annuity stream, this long-term lease contract, this credit-worthy instrument that an investor buys to now, if you're an office developer, it's hard work, right? It's less of an asset and it's more of an operating business. And I do think that the right conversations are happening between you know the spaces of service companies like Convene and others with the institutional capital behind the industry and with lenders. And I do believe that the capital markets in the not too distant future, meaning over the next couple of years, will finally come to a conclusion on the right way to value office buildings moving forward, knowing that a larger and larger percentage of that asset will be highly serviced and will be generating revenues in a way that it hadn't had to in the past. Do you think that we need a new asset class for space as a service, or do you think that's just revising the existing valuation method of the, of the asset class of office? You know, this is something, I, it's a great question, something that I've thought a lot about. In the event that entire buildings become run as space as a service, which Again, you're starting to see that as well, right? You know, if I look at four in the UK, if I look at some of the assets that Tag owns, if I look at what Uncommon has done, you know, we're looking at some situations as well where an entire building is going to be run as space as a service. Then, then yes, it requires its own asset class. For larger office assets where just a smaller percentage of that building is going to be defined as space as a service or co-working or whatever it ends up being defined as, then it is just a change in capital markets and valuation methodology. And it's really about getting the appraisers to understand the right way to think about that income, the risk of that income, and then what is the right cap rate and or multiple to value those income streams. And so, again, I think it's different if it's an all space as a service asset versus where space as a service is a portion of a larger asset. Well, I haven't heard anyone talk about differentiating it that way before, so I appreciate your perspective on that. But, Ryan, I have, I have one 
final serious question before we go into my quick fire round. And that's just kind of continuing the theme here about space as a service. And obviously there's a lot of conventional thinkers, traditional thinkers in commercial estate who aren't convinced that space as a service is the future or is a big part of the future of commercial real estate. What is your advice to people who aren't convinced? I'd say go sit down with a CEO and don't sit down with one. Go talk to a 25 or 30 of them and ask them if they were given the alternative between the current way which is having to design, build, put up a ton of capital, sign a long-term lease and manage their own workplace experience versus not have to do that and outsource it to somebody like a convene or others, I can tell you what the CEO is going to say. And, and at the end of the day, you can only fight what the customer wants for so long before the customer wins. And there is no question in my mind that, you know, if you look at the industry and you talk to the decision makers, whether it's a CEO, head of workplace strategy, head of talent, head of real estate, more and more and more of a company's workplace experience will be outsourced, period, full stop. And flexible will continue to be a larger and larger and larger percentage of their strategy, if not their entire strategy. So to me, there's no question in my mind that the future of real estate is flexible and it is also highly serviced because the customer isn't just focused on the space, they're focused on the experience and right or wrong, the cost and complexity of delivering a great day at work if you're a company is more expensive and more complex today than it was 90 days ago, by far more complex than it was a couple of years ago, and is only going to continue to get more complex as the world that we live in gets increasingly volatile. I mean, Caleb, this is the fourth black swan event in the last 22 years. Dot-com, bubble, 9-11, the Great Recession and the Financial Crisis, and now a pandemic. Four black swan events in less than 2022, 22 years. How could a company ever sign a 10, 15, or 20-year lease? It just doesn't make sense. And so, again, there is no question, at least in my mind, and this is not about being self-serving, this is just being objective, that you know, more and more of office will continue to orient itself towards you know, space as a service. Well, yeah, I think you're right about that. The the future is flexible. And my light bulb moment came came around right after the global financial crisis when I had a flex space brokerage in Washington, D.C. and had a client call me up one day and he had downsized from having an office for 20 people to having an office, five people where they all work remotely and, and only came into the office to have meetings with each other and clients. And that's when my light bulb moment went off. And it's been an uphill battle since, but I think as you said earlier, we're at that acceleration point. And so I'm looking forward to the future and very optimistic as well. I'd like to move into our quick fire round. And the way this works, Ryan, is we're going to ask you a really quick question. Give me a really quick answer and we'll move on to the next one. All right. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. 
So this this episode is, you know, for me, uh, has been special because uh, you inspire me. So I want to ask you, who inspires you in our industry? Every founder and executive that is fearless enough to try something new and push this industry, which we all care deeply about forward. Excellent. So and with that being said, what industry podcast or websites or do you consume? I mean, is that even a question? The bold podcast. Come on. <laughs> well, of course, I, you know, I, I have to put that in there because every guest has to say that. <laughs> but but no, uh, other than the bold podcast, I'll tell you, the, the team at Fifth Wall does a great job. And, you know, I think PropMoto uh, is also really doing a nice job you know, on the technology side, you know, keeping keeping all of us informed. on greatest. Excellent. And when all this is over with, and we're back to free travel. I think you guys in the U.S. have a little bit more free travel now than we do over here. But when we can go anywhere, where's your favorite vacation destination? Get me to an island in the Caribbean called Anguilla, please. That's where my wife and I got married. It's our happy place. So post-pandemic, I, I can't wait to, to get down there. Awesome. Well, I have only been to Cuba myself. And I've got to explore more of the, of the Caribbean well, Ryan, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. If you don't already, go on Twitter and follow Ryan. He's at R.W. Simonetti and connect with him on LinkedIn. Caleb, you're always a pleasure. You know, thank you so much for you know, all that you continue to do to, to push our industry forward. It's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to finally make it on to, uh, to the Bold podcast. So thank you again to you and, and to all uh, those listening. You know, Stay healthy, stay safe, and, and, and most importantly, you know, stay optimistic. Amen to that, Ryan. I look forward to having a drink with you next time you're in London. I can't wait, sir. All right. For everyone listening today, thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. You're listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at podcastsyndicator.com or Brett at podcastsyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.